0: me, a good life is having inner peace, because that goes with a lot of different scenarios. Um, And I think the only person responsible for that is myself. Um, And obviously, external situations do help.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Reflections on Living Well podcast, where we explore perspectives on the good life in the 21st century. I am your host, Broderick Rodell. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Louise Irving. Louise is a mother, wife, and grandmother who has practiced medicine for five decades in various fields, including family practice, pediatrics, and geriatrics. She currently has a part-time practice doing mind-body energy medicine, heart-centered hypnotherapy, and past life regression. That's very interesting stuff. Hope we dig into that. Uh, Louise loves being with family. She has a passion for traveling as well as a love for exercise. Hi, Louise. Hi, Brother Rick. How are you doing?
0: I'm good, thanks. How about you?
1: I'm, 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 I'm doing all right. I'm doing well. Uh, I'm working on doing better. and I'm looking forward to our conversation and seeing what I can glean and learn from your life of experience and your perspective on this uh, thing we call the good life. Um, can you just uh, tell us I know I just gave that uh, introduction But I'd like to ask folks uh, To to introduce themselves How do you typically describe yourself Or how would you like to share Something about yourself
0: I always like to say I'm a human being Just like everybody else And have had lots of amazing Opportunities For experiencing life And um have felt very uh, lucky to have had the experiences I have had, learning to appreciate so many things which come a lot from my parents um, and my grandparents' belief systems. So I would say I'm just part of the universe that is there. And I believe everybody's really the same. Um, we all have this incredible inner beauty that many people hide because of fear. I'm not really sure, but I think it's something that we're not brought up with to recognize our inner incredible magnificence. And I think through the years, having done lots of different things and had, being able to experience as other cultures... Uh, it's been an area that I have explored and like to use that when I'm working with patients.
1: Nice, nice. I like how you, as you introduce yourself, you um, you touch on something deeper than just the the various accolades that you've had over your illustrious life. Uh, you're sharing a little bit more of something a little more something a little deeper. And, uh, I'm looking forward to, to unpacking that a little bit more. So right from the beginning, after that, uh, wonderful introduction of yourself, um, would you like to share what is your, your view of the good life? What is the good life to you or what does it mean to live well? And then we'll unpack it as we go along the rest of the conversation.
0: To me, a good life is having inner peace because that goes with a lot of different scenarios. Um, and I think the only person responsible for that is myself. Um, and obviously external situations do help. Health, having a wonderful, supportive, loving family is enormous. Living in this beautiful city called Seattle, being surrounded by nature, which has always been really, really important to me so I can get out and exercise and I have the health to be able to do that. Um, Being financially secure to get food, having a roof over my head, um, knowing that I'm still working and I love working, I only work one day a week. But the thought of kind of not working is very foreign. and really having appreciation and gratitude for the blessings that I do have. And also um, appreciating what is around us and what you can't change to do what you can, but not fixate on the traumas that are all around us all over the world. And that for me means inner peace, being able to assess and then do what you can and then accept if you can't change anything.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful, I um, got right to the heart of it, Uh, this this good life and having peace and you shared some of the conditions that are favorable for that, you know, uh, family, nature, beauty, um, financial stability, uh, a- activities that you enjoy and you love to do, those are really important pieces to the puzzle of facilitating a good life, and in, in, in your words, uh, living a peaceful life. Where, where, did, where did this come from? Where did you get these ideas from? Can you tell us a little bit more about your story? <laughs>
0: I grew up in a family. My father came from Poland. They were kind of escaping the Holocaust. And my mother's origins were Russian, but she was first generation South African. And what was instilled in us all the time was respect for everybody, regardless of who or what or where. Education was really um, emphasized, that education was very important. Um, My mother was involved in a lot of uh, charity work. She was a volunteer for the local orphanage. She was the chair lady. My dad was a dentist, but he had a clinic once a week that was uh, free of charge for people who couldn't afford it. So the sense of being aware in the world of people not having what you have and being able to share it was really important. And so I kind of had that in my background. And then uh, through the years, working through issues that we all have from whenever, I developed uh, a couple of illnesses I really didn't like. And, and they were mind-blowing for me because I looked at them. One of them was thyroid cancer when I was 38, and I felt as though I'd caused it myself. And I started looking at why, and I discovered that I never, ever was honest about the way I was. I was always fine, everything was always fine. And so I started to look and think, you know, maybe it's a wake-up call for me to express myself in a way that's comfortable for everybody to hear. And so from then on, I started to look very intensely at behaviours, at what people said, at the way people are, and specifically myself was watching my word, because... Words can be that expression, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never harm me is absolutely and totally wrong.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, having done hypnotherapy training, you're aware that when you hypnotize somebody, they go back to even intrautero or at birth or straight after birth. They remember every little thing. People say things, people do things. It has, it, it's really been absolutely fascinating. Mm. And so being aware of your word is really, really important. And so developing that illness for me was such a wake-up call about how we are as humans and how we live and how we think things don't matter and words don't matter, they do. Mm-hmm. They do enormously. And so also the distinction of listening came in, which, because we're either talking or we're waiting to talk. We're mm-hmm. often not listening. Yeah. But listening is an amazing... It's a skill. You have to learn it. Absolutely. So, you know, with that not expressing myself and then learning about the wisdom. So it kind of started early on and having moved to Seattle which is a wonderful place to live, there's a lot of like-minded people and I was fortunate to join groups of people who one could discuss this with. Mm -hmm. And it has extended, fortunately the world has changed, more and more people are aware of this kind of behavior and belief systems, so it's much easier to talk about them so people can hear you. Mm
1: Yeah, I know that's one of the reasons uh, for doing this type of podcast is so that people like yourself can share your story your what has influenced your life philosophy your, your, your life story about what it means to be a human being and, and focusing the attention on how do we take the best of our experiences and translate that into a narrative that supports living well and living a good life. Uh, you said quite a few things there. I would love to like dig into a little little deeper. Um, we can start from the top. I'll try to uh, seek and remember all those wonderful things. But um, I think you said something that's really important. That sometimes we forget the stability and the, the love and tenderness of family, having a stable family home. And I know we've spoken before and you've mentioned that you grew up in a lovely family. Um, that is so important and in your situation and in your case excuse me. <coughs> and In your case you your parents were role models it seems. You know, people who were dedicated to service and trying to do good in the world. Um, and how you reflect on that um and what your father as a dentist offering a free service once a week your mother uh and her work uh what what is what does your mother do again she
0: was a social worker <laughs> that's it yeah
1: yeah i just want i want to say the right thing <laughs> as a social worker doing that type of work that's good that's service and it's important to have those types of um, models in your life. Someone who can reflect to you what's possible. Does that sound like that's um, that makes sense? Yes. You know, it's, such a, it's a universal thing. I think that's something you know, we, we don't have any control over when we come into the earth, onto this earth. But uh, to those of you out there listening who are parents, you know. Taking that into consideration of, oh, wow, the the impact that I have on my children is significant. And so you grew up in, in uh, and and your, your your parents have, at least your father, you know, grew up in a uh, in a world uh, leaving violent a violent world and entering into South Africa. And, then, and at that time, South Africa, you have apartheid uh, going on. How did that shape and influence your thinking with your parents being such lovely people in that type of world? What, what impact did that have on you, if any?
0: Um, apartheid was appalling. We didn't believe in apartheid growing up. The government was really very caref- careful. And they were clever. They would talk about equal and separate development. And so you believed that the whites, the blacks, the coloreds, the Indians all lived a similar life, but just, diff- just in different places. And we, we had maids who helped us. And they were wonderful people and we used to laugh and they were part of the family. And growing up, when I was much younger, I assumed they came from the same place that I did. And I watched my mother, she belonged to something called the Black Sash, which was an illegal organization for women to uh, work against this apartheid or find ways to work with it. And it was all kind of illegal and very quiet. And I remember walking with my mother, I think I must have been about seven, and we were walking in the street and she was pushing my sister in the, in the pushchair. And the police van in front stopped because there was a guy walking, a black guy, and in those days you had to carry a pass if you were black. And the policeman got out and said, where's your pass? And he said, I left it at home. And he said, then get in the back of the van. I'm going to arrest you. And my mother went up and said, you know, his pass is at home. Why don't you wait for him to be able to go and fetch it? And the policeman turned on her and said to her, lady, if you don't like what I've done and you object, I'm going to put you and your two children in the van with you and put them in jail. And I remember that very distinctly because that was very fearful to know you had to live a certain way. And so apartheid was an appalling, it's an appalling, it was awful. And I left the country when I graduated. i just turned 23 because I thought, I can't live like this And I have to leave the country because it's not the right thing to do. And so I traveled and I was working in the UK. And I just kind of had the feeling that if everybody who thought the way I did left, there would be no chance for South Africa. So I went back Mm. and did things in the way I could. I mean, if you worked as a doctor, you had to have one entrance for whites and one entrance for blacks. And I refused to do that. I just had one entrance. I know it sounds like a small little thing, but as a South African, it felt at least I can do something.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Because it was, and the indoctrination, you don't realize indoctrination when you're living in it, even though you do understand it. Mm -hmm. And, It's interesting how I worked against when I left South Africa. I was aware that I was very conscious of white and black and colored and all that. And I had this technique of visualizing somebody without their skin because then everybody's the same. Mm, Beautiful. If if I felt that there was some judgment Mm -hmm. that I had grown up with. Mm -hmm.
1: So, yeah, I mean, growing up in that type of world and... Again, modeling—you know, seeing your mother respond in that situation—I um, can see that that, had, that has had a, an impact on you and your trajectory. Uh, and you know, I know you outside of this conversation, and I—I I can see that. You know, that growing up in that world, and again, the importance of having caretakers who showed a different way, were exemplars of a different way of being.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think that I mean, I can't say it. I know, I'm sure that all kinds of other things in your life, other people in your life who has had an impact, but I'm projecting here, but I'm just assuming that, you know, that that's, that was so huge to have your parents, and who stood up for something different, your mother, you know, taking the risks and doing the work that she was doing. And and I, And I'll say You know, that wasn't a small thing that you did. Um, That's huge because that, you know, you're being an exemplar and saying, hey, this doesn't have to be this way Uh, and showing something different. Uh, I think that's goodness, courageous for you to go back and practice medicine there and knowing that you don't like the situation, but you go back to try to, again, be a model for other citizens, for other people. And to show not just white folks, but to show, <clears throat> I guess in South Africa you got colors and Indians and blacks, um, to show that there are white folks who who are different, who are, who don't buy into this whole narrative. Uh-uh. It's just very interesting. I think um, I can see why you do a lot of the things that you do in the world today. Uh-uh. And when I look at those, when I hear those, uh, that that story that you just shared, um, yeah. So thanks for sharing that. You know. So you, you you as you practice medicine, uh, are there any other influences that you think that that helped you come to terms with this? And I, I want to get to the the suffering part of this, but I want are there any other influences or people you think that. Uh, help you get to the place you are in terms of what it means to live a good life?
0: Lots of little incidences that that, that really stand out for me. My mother, she lived till she was almost 95, mm-hmm. and she never complained, and she didn't have an easy life. My dad died when she was 57. Oh, wow. But she had a carer, her name is Connie, that... I absolutely adore and I'm still in contact with her, she would show me aspects of behavior that were extraordinary. She was dealing with my mother who had sometimes was angry and was losing her memory and would be honorary sometimes. And Connie would smile from ear to ear in this beautiful way and smile and laugh and i I would be with my mother and then feel that, you know, when it's a parent, you feel her anger or whatever, understand it. But Connie had this way of being that I was, I learned so much from her. She was such an amazing teacher. Mm. So there's Connie and then there's another person. Her name is Doris and she has taught creative writing in Seattle and she's in her late 80s. You would never, never, never think so. But the way she, I joined the class at Bellevue Community College and it was creative writing and I'd write the stories and one day she sort of made some comment about she had to go somewhere on the Saturday and she was, it turned out that she was running a five-kilometer race for the national, national uh, organization and I heard it and I thought I was going to support her. Anyway, it was about, I don't know, an hour's drive. It was quite far away. And then I went to look at where when they were starting and I looked at the 60 to 65, nothing. Eventually I got to the 80 to 85, I mean the 85 to 90 age range uh-huh. and there was Doris's name. And I thought, no, 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 <laughs> it can't be, it mis- must be a mistake. And there she was with her beautiful smile and such humility, and she just ran her five-kilometer race and won. And I mean, what an inspiration. Mm. So little incidences that occur at times you don't actually think about it. And then afterwards you think, wow, what a teaching, an incredible way of learning of how to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's probably why I'm asking you all you know, these questions is to remind myself, because I want to hear that, that it's important to surround myself with people who are inspiring, who are exemplars of something that can uh, illuminate to me um, well-being or living well, you know, to you know, to be with caretakers, such as the lady who was caring for your mother, who could just be, uh, have that, what's the word I'm looking for, that steadfastness or that um, equanimity rather, Mm -hmm. with someone who's having a challenging time at a later stage of their life. Uh, That's just, um, it's a reminder that, okay, I can do that. I can learn how to be at peace with others to be tranquil it's, it's work to do that but you can see that it is possible know um, I talk about this a lot especially lately the importance of being an exemplar to being a model and just to hear you you know bring up people in your life that has inspired you and that were models for you um, and I'm sure we can spend the rest of this podcast given examples of people who have been inspiring in your life and who has motivated you to do the things that you've you've done um, you said you shared also a challenge that you had under you know your the suffering that your father experienced the suffering that your mother has experienced and the suffering that you've had in your life that sparked a deeper self-reflection Can you, can you elaborate a little bit more on how you don't have to go into details of the illness that you had, but why do you think, how do you think, how do you think suffering challenge, um, influences a person and their view on life? I think...
0: I mean, a couple of things come up. The one is that when you're not well, you're a certain way, and then when you are well, you reflect and think, wow, I'm blessed now that I'm well. That's one aspect. The other one for me was looking very carefully at why. Mm. And that is very personal because I could never tell my patient that they're the one who caused their illness, because there's environment, there's genetics, there's a whole lot of different things. But for me, somehow it felt very personal. And so I remember the first time, I mean, I discovered this lump. I was reading a a medical journal, and they were talking about examination of the neck, and I did this, and I thought, oh, my God, what is that? And I went and I had biopsies, and I went completely to pieces. I, the, the surgeon who was a friend of mine said to me, I'm just going to talk to you as, as I talk to a layman because you can't hear a word. So that was an interesting thing because from there I learned that when you tell a patient something and they don't hear you, it's not their fault. Because many times patients come and they say, but you didn't say anything. And I did. You just in that space of you can't hear. So often, when you give bad news or you give news, it's good to have a family member or friend there to listen. So that was also a learning. And then, looking at my two small children who were then two and five, I couldn't look at them without crying and thinking, You're going to be without a mother, and blah, blah, blah. So, all that trauma, Mm -hmm. I hope I didn't put on them. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting how you have a belief system of the way you are, and then life happens, and then you're not so easy. Mm -hmm. You can't do what you think you can do. You go... very difficult to describe where you go because it's just recently happened to me. My sister who was 67, she died four and a half months ago there. after an illness, a very, very short illness, weeks. And she was in Australia and I fortunately could be there, all the siblings could be there, her son could be there. But my belief system In death and after life and all this kind of the platitudes I think that I had told myself before or maybe had even advised patients I don't know went completely out of the window. It was the depths of grief is bottomless which I understand but my belief system disappeared. Where is she? Why is she not sending me? Why, blah, 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 why, 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 why? And I saw myself going down the tube, which was, I I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know this was an inconceivable, my loving, wonderful, beautiful inside and outside sister is no longer with us was never gonna be within my realms of understanding of of belief system. And that was in August. No, she died on the twenty fifth of July. And I still had my supportive family around me. I had my other siblings. We talk every day, my kids, my husband. Nothing external made any difference. I just mm. spiraled. And all the techniques, that, and all the books, and all the everythings, mm. it was the most difficult time of my life. Mm. Until about three or four weeks ago, mm. I suddenly heard her in my ear saying, let me go. And I thought, okay, I can let you go. I must let her go. And the next day, I somehow had an appointment with a medium that was all serendipitous, the way things happen, which is the way things happen. They're not coincidences. They happen for a reason. And when I mentioned to the medium that I had heard that I should let her go, she said, you need to let her go for you, not for her, because you're becoming sick. And that was my turning point. But for me, the lesson or the learning, I, I'm not sure if I could have done it any differently, because that, that sense of loss Even though I do believe there is an afterlife, I mean, I do past life regression therapy with patients, I do believe that there is much more out there who knows what's between us now, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: but I couldn't access it. So I would say that's probably been the biggest challenge of my life so far, Mm -hmm. and now, I've managed to access it and I she sends me signs all over the place that I can now see.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So advice to anybody, nobody could give me any advice, nothing you're going to find is out there, you're only going to find it here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you have to look and get whatever assistance you can, never be resistant to help.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think that you you again there's a lot there to unpack. You're you're stressing that okay, in life there's suffering. There's challenge. There are things that's going to come that that's inevitable. We don't know what they're going to be, but we know we're going to have hard things and we prepare ourselves for them. And you mentioned at the beginning, you know, creating those favorable favorable conditions externally and also in your mind. So as these challenges come up that you have some external internal resources to deal with those. And I think that's important. Nonetheless, you you mentioned something that a lot of times that we don't want to hear. I know I've gone through that, you know, I've spent a lifetime, literally, <laughs> creating favorable conditions internally and externally. Uh, i externally not as good as I would like <laughs> still working on that um, but the um, creating those conditions so that when so that we're prepared for when the challenges come those unexpected challenges come and when they do sometimes they overwhelm us all the meditations all the literature that we've read all of the narratives that we've explored and in the story that we've written for ourselves, it seems, it appears that it falls apart, that it's gone. Um, When a certain challenge presents itself to us and you said something that it's like you needed that to go through that challenge, even though you've had these resources, you have these internal and external resources you've built up a, a lifetime of service and, you know, exploring ideas, mainstream alternative yet, this thing knocked you on your ass <laughs> to put it bluntly. <laughs> um,
0: I think where my training helped me is I could be with her a hundred percent of the time.
1: Mm-hmm. I didn't
0: leave her side for five days. I slept on the floor. Mm-hmm. I could meditate. I could talk, I could be in the way that was not completely in pieces. I could Mm -hmm. be with her and hold her space. So that's where my training came in. It's just when she'd gone
1: or left. But I'll say this, because I think when you're saying that, okay, this thing knocked me down and it appears that those resources were not helpful. But they were there, yet that hard, those hard moments, that that being failing, to an extent, it's just a part of the game, and like you say, you had to go through it at least to get to where you are now. A new revelation, that revelation can only happen through that experience, and I'm saying all of this to say, like yes. Do what we can to build those internal and external resources. Like you say, you were there for your sister throughout to, to that through that uh, time. You were there for yourself through that time, and I will argue you were there for yourself afterwards, even though it appears that you were not. Um, because yeah, that's going to happen. You're gonna you're gonna question your faith. You're gonna question a lot of these things because that's just a part of the contract of being a human being. Uh, you can still, and that's a part of the life you're going to live, and the good life is not that you won't have these things, that you won't get knocked on your butt, even though you've done all these things. And I would argue that all of that stuff that you have prepared, that you, you've done, have prepared you to have that revelation, and also prepared you to be open enough to go see a medium or to get those resources or or to tap into those external resources that you've created for yourself because if you haven't developed those ideas in your mind you would have never gone to sought to seek help to seek some kind of support you know hey i can't flailing i can't do it alone um that's a big lesson that's a big huge life lesson like yeah do all of these things develop and cultivate character it doesn't mean that your things are not going to get hard. It's just that you're going to be better prepared for them, even though in the moment that it's hard, you feel like like oh, all this stuff is wasted. What am I doing? Um, and yet, I think you're starting to be on the other side of this. Uh, I would suspect as, a t- as time goes, you will see that, like, oh, I can see how those things that I've been doing they're helping me now it's just that I needed to go into that deep place of grief and have something be revealed to me and that revelation you may not know quite yet Uh, but I'm I'm suspecting that uh, the more will be revealed as time goes along excuse me no yeah so I I you know I just went on a whole little tangent there, not really a tangent, but I know I just said mouthful there. But um, yeah, you also said something earlier that I think that's very interesting. Well, first of all, does that resonate with you at all? All of anything I just said? Does that make any? complete just, and absolute okay because i can be full of it it's okay
0: <laughs> no 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 it's very wise <laughs> very wise
1: oh, i don't know um you said something i thought that also that was interesting and important you said words matter and the story that we tell ourselves matter um and it makes me reminds me of this uh Is it in the Buddhist tradition? I don't know if it's an eightfold path or whatever, uh, right speech. Um, Can you say a little bit more about that? uh, I know you said a a bit earlier, but can you say a little more about why words matter uh, in terms of ultimately what the good life is? I
0: think one of them is is judgment because many people take what has been said as a judgment and it may not mean that and that is very traumatic for everybody and I think people hear words um, sometimes they put the wrong interpretation into it which is difficult but My father had an expression, if you have nothing good to say, say nothing.
2: Hmm.
0: That I heard from a very young girl. That was one of the things if you don't have any. And sometimes I know growing up I would start saying something and then I would hear my father's voice in my head and I'd go, I'm going to stop that. Um, But I I think because of the hypnotherapy I've done, I – was not that aware of how incredibly important words are to babies, to kids, to everybody. Uh, Even to animals. Mm -hmm. You see how they respond differently. Because often with the words comes the emotional behavior. So you may not hear, but you may pick up on on the body language. So... I've become very aware of listening and listening to, my kids gave me this amazing book on on listening, on hearing. It's called Trans, but it's so interesting because it's not only listening to the beautiful nature and stuff, it's listening to your own thoughts. And so when you listen to your own thoughts, you need to match that. With your words, or not match that with your words. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you may have a thought process that would be much better not spoken. And so I think words are really, really, really important from a very, to whoever you're talking. Mm-hmm. Because you could change somebody's day just by walking past them, giving them a smile, and saying hello. That's one word. Mm-hmm. So, if you can have that positive effect, if you say something negative, it can have the same effect.-
1: mm-hmm. absolutely. Just last night, I was speaking with someone about you know I reflect on some some in, in my past and I mean even present uh, I can get very emotional, and I'll say something that I really don't mean. Or I might, especially when I was young, I liked the vocabulary. I didn't have a very expanded vocabulary. so, And I liked any kind of tact. And I would just say something what I, that I felt. And I reflect on that often. I'm like, wow, that was very hurtful. And it was not who I was. It's just a lack of sensitivity or a lack of, of vocabulary. Um, I think about it often. And I think that's one of them I, I fell in love with reading later in life. And I fell in love with words later in life because of I remember those times where I felt like I was saying harmful things to people. Sometimes intentionally when young and ignorant for sure. Um but I never really wanted to hurt people. It's just that I lacked attack and um, I don't know if this is a phrase, correct phrase, but the linguistic intelligence, you know, I just was I'm still not a wordsmith, but I really work hard now at trying to find the right words, even though I'm going to make mistakes again, it's <laughs> going to happen. But at least I try because I, because of what you're saying, I've learned that they do matter actually, because uh, I reflect on things that were said to me as a child that I it's some things I'm sure I'm, I still haven't let go of, but there were things that that were so hurtful, and it motivated me to do things in ways. And, and sometimes it motivated me to be on the path that I am not, I am on now. Uh, sometimes it um, it demotivated me. I don't know if that's the correct word, phrase, but you know, I kind of lost my motivation because I didn't feel like I was intelligent enough because of what this person said. And in certain situations, somebody said something as though I wasn't intelligent. I'm like, I'm going to prove to them I'm intelligent. Sometimes that was too much. I went overboard um, to try to prove myself because I was still looking for external validation. But I'm saying all this to say that, yeah, the words that we choose are important. They can be harmful. And that's why uh, another reason why it's important to think about developing and educating ourselves so that we can be a better uh, use use words much more wisely and intelligently knowing that the power that they have and not just the words as you said um, but the when when i think when when both of us are speaking we're not just talking about verbiage; we're talking about the feeling the emotion behind the words Mm -hmm. And so we can look at that negative impact, how that can have an influence on us. But like you said, the positive. How can I surround my mind with speech, with words, with language that is encouraging, inspiring, and loving, and kind, all these various positive attributes. And hopefully, when I'm engaging with another human being, that I can do that. So that I can have a positive impact on somebody else, uh, using the words, being careful and, mm-hmm. and being mindful of the words that I'm using, even though I'm gonna fail. I, I
0: we're, we're all human. <laughs> we all fail all the time.
1: Yeah, I probably I know I failed in the last three or four days. I'm like, oh, why did you say that? <laughs> and the important thing I think is just being able to acknowledge that. Why You're did I say Correct.
0: That? Absolutely. <laughs> There's a quote by a, a, an American poet from the 1800s. His name is Wallace Stevens. And it says, the slightest sound matters. The most momentary rhythm matters. You can do as you please, but everything matters.
1: Oh, I love that. Can you repeat that again for myself and an audience as well, please?
0: The slightest sound matters. The most momentary rhythm matters matters you can do as you please yet everything matters
1: Mm. oh i love that yeah that could that's something to meditate on for sure yeah Mm. so are you any other thoughts about the good life louise what are some some things that uh that we can do to to make our lives better
0: Um. Well, we also always want the external to be better because then we think it will be better and it's there's another quote by Galileo and he says you can't teach a man to do anything but you can only help them find it
2: Mm.
0: So I think the more that you can, you know, if you think about, you know, what's going on all over the world and and it is absolutely horrendous. But that feeling of powerlessness to be able to do nothing, to how do you stop the fighting? How do you stop those atrocities? And so instead of feeling completely down and because that affects one's life on a moment to moment basis and those around you is to think what can I do to if I can change it, or else if you can't, you just visualize and send positivity and energy towards things improving. And maybe that doesn't make a difference, but it personally makes me feel a little better that I can maybe do something by not being negative and constantly fixating and um, driving myself and others crazy about what is happening in the world. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of looking at all the external, how it affects the internal as well to make it, a free flow of energy that everybody can participate in mm-hmm. in the positive, as opposed to the negative. If one can find some positive in all this trauma that's happening.
1: Mm-hmm. Louise, I a hundred percent agree with you on that. I, I think when you said that maybe it doesn't do much, I mean, maybe this is not the space to go into, a, to, to metaphysics right now, like the foundation of how you see the world. But for me, I think it makes sense. Intention matters. The will that we have matters. Whether it's free or 100% free or not, it's just an unnecessary argument. But there is agency, and I think there's a universal agency that we are an expression of. Um, And if you don't reduce the world to just matter, and that consciousness is magically appears out of matter which I don't subscribe to that worldview you can see in a a, a, different there is a worldview that sees the subject that sense of not self in terms of personality but that sense of being that sense of existence as primary as foundational then and seeing that there is a universal agency that you, each one of us are an expression of. The intention, the way we, where we place our atten- attention and the intentions behind that, I really do feel like it has an impact on the thing, on the universe. Um, mm-hmm. And so I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think it is, it's hard to see it the violence and suffering in the world, and you feel so helpless. I think doing our best to project some positivity through our attention and our intentions is having some impact, even if we don't think that it is. Um, I think it does in how we show up in the world. Like you say, our words matter our expressions matter. I'm at the grocery store and I'm frowning, I got the wrinkles all Hmm. over and I'm having an impact on everybody around me. But if I'm in the grocery store, yeah, I'm having a frustrating time, for instance, but I'm, I have that equanimity. I have a calmness about myself that influences other people around you. And so that's a tangible way of seeing that that has an impact. You know, people talk about the butterfly effect flapping of the wings can have a significant effect thousands of miles away
2: mm-hmm.
1: across time. And I think that that's it. That's an example of it. In the grocery store, and you, know, at the, you go to get your groceries at the clerk. Do you have a nasty attitude or you have something of a positive attitude? What impact are you going to have on that person? Even if they're nasty towards you, do you smile or do you react angrily back at them? And can perpetuate that in the world. I I don't I I'm I'm with you, and I think that we, I hopefully hopefully we get into a time when we don't have to. Well, I don't know if that's going to have much of an effect, and we can say no, that does have an effect. <laughs> we yeah. can be a little bit more assertive about it. I, I know that this is not the typical view in the world that we live in. Of course, I know, I understand, I know. Yeah. but you know. This I think those of us who believe that it's important that we continue to convey that to the world, yeah. Yeah. even though I can't go to i mean, I'm not even going to name the country because it's practically everywhere on the globe there's problems, crazy shit going on um so I might not be able to stop that in this moment, but at least can I show? the world something different and I think you gave an example from the very beginning your parents being exemplars The caretaker of your mother being an exemplar um how can I be an exemplar how can I try to be to show up in the world that way and I think you I learned something from you today about that challenge that you you went through with your sister passing away and how it really knocked you down And you felt like maybe some of the stuff that you've been doing wasn't helping you in that moment. And like, actually, you can get through it. (laughs) You can get through something. You can come out on the other side and still say the things that you've been saying in in this conversation. That says a whole lot. And I think that okay, I'm going to continue to be challenged. I know that, but I'm like, damn, something's going to really hit me hard and I'm going to feel resourceless. But I have to learn how to be resourceful even in that situation and that you can pick yourself back up and that learning never, never ends.
0: Never ends. (laughs) Never ends. There's a, there's a, kind of acronym that I came up with, breathe, B-R-E-A-T-H-E. So if I'm driving in the car and I get irritated, I think, okay, B for breathe, take a nice deep breath in, R for relax, just notice how tense I am in the car, just relax, E, express yourself, oh, I'm really angry by that, A, affirm, think, wow, you're doing really well because Mm -hmm. you're you're expressing. T is thoughts. Notice where your thoughts go. Commenting on the way that person drives and they're idiot and you da-da-da-da. You don't know. Maybe there's an emergency they need to get to. H, hug yourself, because that always helps to get a hug, even if it's from yourself. And E is energize, bring in energy from the top of your head with universal life force energy, so you're full and extended and then you function from that place of fullness. So I use that. I mean, if I'm standing in the supermarket and I'm irritated, I go breathe. Okay, breathe, relax, express, affirm, uh, thoughts, hug, and energize. So I use that because it's easy to remember. And that
1: helps. Awesome. That's just awesome. I I love that. Uh, what a tool. I think that's it. Another thing about the good life, right, is having tools to deal with the madness of the world, yes. the dealing with with, with with being a human being. Uh, having things such as that um, is is an important piece of the puzzle. I know that was just great right there. Are there any other things you would like to share before we go um, about the good life in general?
0: You, you're you not going to find it out there. You're only going to find it here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Obviously from the outside as well, but it comes from inside and being aware of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Be aware that the, that peace that you suggest is going to come from within, you just to know that peace. It has to come from some conditions within oneself. Yeah. Those those are very beautiful words to 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 end with. But I I'm still going to ask you, is there a, any other final words you'd like to leave the audience with? It can be a suggestion. It can be advice. It can be anything that you like to leave this audience with.
0: Just to be awake and aware and live life to the fullest.
1: That's beautiful, Louise. Thank you so much. This Thank you, fun. Brother Rick. Has been a wonderful conversation and I really want to continue. Um, but we'll continue uh, offline in various capacities, I hope, in the future. And it sounds uh, wonderful. I love you so much. And I love you too. Okay, thank you thank for you. doing this. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I hope this conversation has inspired you to reflect on your own views of the good life. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear more inspiring and thought-provoking conversations, please follow, write a review, and rate us on your favorite podcast app. If you are tuning in on YouTube, please hit that like button and subscribe. Your support is very much appreciated.